Hello and welcome to episode 54, part 1 of Pay-Per-View, where I review the papers and big headlines over the week and place events and headlines in the true context in a weekly podcast. And I'm going to start this week with Pay-Per-View episodes are going to be in two parts for a while and then I'll go back to whole episodes. So this is part 1, technology. This is in the Daily Mail. Humans could achieve superintelligence in as little as five years by implanting tiny computer chips into our brain's expert claims. High-tech chips implanted in the brain could soon give humans an intelligence boost. Researchers have been working to develop minimally invasive methods to hack the human brain and squeeze out more of its potential. Recent technological advancements can make this possible within the next five years, Northwestern University neuroscientist Dr. Moran Cerf told CBS. But he warns the move could also create new forms of social inequality. Well, that's the agenda I've been talking about for so long, not least in episode four, where you have basically a three-tier society structure globally. The article goes on. Make it so that it has an internet connection and goes to Wikipedia, and when I think a particular thought, it gives me the answer, Surf told CBS. The neuroscientist and business professor is currently working to develop one such chip with the goal of improving human intelligence by melding it with technology. This idea has taken off in recent years with initiatives such as Elon Musk-backed Neuralink working to develop brain-computer interfaces. DARPA has also expressed continued interest in the field as it works to enhance soldiers' cognitive abilities and grasp on technology. DARPA, of course, being the Defense Advanced Research Projects Agency, the technological development arm of the Pentagon. Everyone is spending a lot of time right now trying to find ways to get things into the brain without drilling a hole in your skull, served or CBS. Can you eat something that will actually get to your brain? Can you eat things in parts that will assemble inside your head? According to Surf, we may be just a few years away from the solution, but its use in everyday society can make for extreme intelligence gaps within a given population. Just this past summer, the Pentagon's research arm, DARPA, made moves in a project that intends to bridge the gap between humans and machines. DARPA selected a number of teams in July to develop a neural interface as part of its new N3 program, with a goal of developing systems that would allow troops to send and receive information using their brainwaves according to NextGov. This means troops could one day control drone cyber defense systems and other technology with their mind. It might sound like science fiction, but the agency is looking to see this done in one of two ways, a non-invasive device outside of the body or a non-surgical system that could be swallowed, injected or delivered up the nose. And in spring 2017, the agency funded eight separate research efforts to determine if electrical stimulation can safely be used to enhance learning and accelerate training skills. The program, called the Targeted Neuroplasticity Training Program, Program, aimed to use the body's peripheral nervous system to accelerate the learning process. This will be done by activating a process known as synaptic plasticity, a key process in the brain involved in learning with electrical stimulation. This is what I've talked about before as brain plasticity, where instead of the brain being the same as it is when you're born and staying that way, which is what scientists used to think, the brain can change because of experiences. The article goes on. Ultimately, doing this could allow a person to quickly master complex skills that would normally take thousands of hours of practice. When I read that, the scene in the Matrix movie, the first one where Neo is connected to a computer system and he learns Kung Fu and he tests it out in the Matrix. That's what comes to mind when I read that. And there's another section here. How is the US military hoping to hack soldiers' brains? DARPA's four-year targeted neuroplasticity training program aims to use the body's peripheral nervous system to accelerate the learning process. 
This will be done by activating a process known as synaptoplasticity, a key process in the brain involved in learning with electrical stimulation. Some teams will be working with intelligence analysts and foreign language specialists to shape the platform around currently training practices. Researchers will look into using the technique across a wide range of applications, including decision-making and spatial navigation, speech perception and threat recognition. Imagine you're struggling to learn something new, like multiplication tables or how to hit a golf ball, said Dr. Robert Renneker of the University of Texas at Dallas's Texas Biomedical Device Center. When you get it right, when that light bulb comes on, this system is being activated. By stimulating the vagus nerve during the learning process, we're artificially releasing these chemicals to enhance those connections active during learning. Well, I've talked about implantables before. Implantables, technology that goes inside the body. This is where the addiction to technology ends. I've talked in episode 11 about what exactly the technology agenda, the transhuman agenda entails. And it goes far beyond even what some people who are aware of that agenda would would think is where it ends. I saw an advanced screening of a film recently. It was a documentary film which comes out in June. And in the film, it featured a clip of kids saying, there's nothing to do. And in the film, it featured a clip of kids saying, there's nothing to do without phones or technology. Well, strangely enough, I somehow managed to find things to do before smartphones and iPads and virtual reality. I was often playing outside in the days when kids could roam around outside as far as they felt like, for as long as they felt like without a parent in sight, virtually every day, for years. The days when kids were kids, the days when kids were energetic and lively and active. But you can see nowadays when you look at kids, and adults as well for that matter, just how easy it is to take this addiction to its planned conclusion. And when you're addicted to something, you start off at a certain level, but after a while that's not enough. You need more to get your fix, and so... You look at someone who's addicted to alcohol, they start off with four pints, that's not enough. Now they need six pints, then they need eight pints. And it's the same with technology. You start off with a phone, well that's not enough. Holding it, now it's got to be on your body. Oh, now it's got to be in your body. And that's the way addiction goes. In many ways, the implantables we see are merely diversions from the real implantables, which are nanotechnology, which we don't see, which I talk about in episode 42. And everybody has nanotechnology inside of them, I'm sure of it, at least most people. And there's a very good reason why that is, which I explain in episode 42. You see, because it's an agenda, it's the elite's agenda, the elite, the less than 1%, as some people call them, the elite, the 1%, as some people call them, although less than 1% is the truth. And it's not just part of their agenda, it's the end game of their agenda. As I said in the previous episode, part two of the previous episode. This is where it's always been going, all along. And so they're not going to let a little thing like choice get in their way. And nanotechnology is their way of overcoming people who are aware of the microchip agenda and the implantables agenda and saying, right, you're going to have the technology inside you anyway, because we're going to make sure you do. Superintelligence is part of the sales pitch of the transhuman agenda. The idea that we will become superhuman when in fact we'll become subhuman just responding to data input and eventually artificial intelligence which is planned to do all human thinking. This agenda is being sold to us to make us excited about enhancing our human capabilities when this agenda is to a very large extent coming through Silicon Valley which has fundamental connections with DARPA, the headquarters of the US Department of Defense 
which is interlinked, of course, with military intelligence, as I detail in episode 19. And all the military intelligence operations are ultimately working to the same agenda, the elite's agenda. Then why on earth would it be an agenda, given those networks behind it, to make humanity superhuman, to make them better, to make them enhanced? Why would those characters want to do that? All America does, defense-wise and technology-wise, to a large extent, is create technology that is harmful to people, or in terms of defense, attack, really, is invade countries and bomb countries and bomb civilians. That's the mentality. We're talking about America, at least the branch of the overall global military, America branch. Why would that part of that network with this agenda want to make humanity superhuman and enhanced? It's the sales pitch. They have to sell it to us. So they have to give us the alleged benefits and not tell us the real reason, which is what they do all the time, whatever we're trying to be sold. This is why we have front people like Ray Kurzweil, the Google executive in Silicon Valley, and corporations to bring this technology into the public arena without the people realizing where it's really coming from or how long it's really existed. The technology we see in the public arena is light years behind the technology outside of the public arena that the intelligence agencies have access to in the unpublicized underground bases and projects. And people say, well, that's ridiculous to say that there's technology beyond what we see, but people have no problem accepting, because it's obvious, that the elite and uh, the rich have access to healing and medical technology and knowledge and medicine beyond what you get from your average GP or in your NHS hospital or average hospital. So if they have access to that, and that's beyond what we see in the public arena, then what else exists beyond what we see in the public arena, technology-wise? And this technology is rolled out through Silicon Valley and through elite front corporations, not by through. It's coming through them. It doesn't originate with them. I talk in episode 51 about how the real major corporations are merely vehicles for the elite's agenda. It's interesting when you look at the claims of the human-caused global warming, climate change advocates, that they say we've only got 10 or 12 years to save the planet, which is patently nonsense for reasons I've described in episodes 18 and 29 and 52. When you look then at the timescales for the technological agenda, you have the Internet of Things, which I talk about in episode 50, and 5G, which I talk about in episodes 12 and 22. Both are planned to be rolled out by 2020. You have the transhuman cloud, which Ray Kurzweil talks about, which human minds are planned to be connected to by 2030. And I say by, not in. You have the United Nations Agenda 2030, which is an offshoot of Agenda 21, which I talk about in episodes 15, 18, and 20. And I talk about Agenda 2030 in episode 36. There's an obvious correlation between timescales because it's all one agenda 10 years from now that's 2029 12 years from now 12 years from now that's 2031 it's all around the same time because it's an agenda we don't have 10 12 years to save the planet we have 10 12 years to when they really want to move to the next stage of this technology agenda and the climate change hoax in terms of human scores and climate change massively is being used to massively justify the technology agenda which is planned to play out 9 10 11 12 years from now in terms of moving to the next stage 
in terms of superintelligence and neuroplasticity, which this article talks about. I talk in episode 21 about how the addiction to technology and the internet is changing and rewiring the brain and personality because of this brain plasticity, neuroplasticity, where the brain changes because of experiences or stimuli and information received. Hacking the brain is not ultimately about enhancing capabilities, I've said, but another step towards George Orwell's thought crime from his book 1984, published in 1948. When you look at the books 1984 and Aldous Huxley's Brave New World, published in 1932, and you look at the words of a Rockefeller, one of the elite family bloodlines, insider Dr. Richard Day from 1969, describing the future from then in fine detail, not just themes, but in fine detail. There's a transcript of what Dr. Richard Day said in 1969. He was involved with a Rockefeller organization called Planned Parenthood, and thus he he was an executive of a Rockefeller organization called Planned Parenthood, and thus he had connections to the Rockefellers, and so he was able to access the long-planned agenda, and that's where he got his knowledge from about what was planned to happen because as I've said society is agenda driven and if you can access that agenda either through being an insider which he was or through research then you can very accurately predict the future because if nothing intervenes to stop that agenda happening then it's going to happen. Dr. Richard Day gave a speech to, I talked more about Dr. Richard Day in episodes 17, 18 and 20. There's a transcript of what Dr. Richard Day said available online, which I'll link to when I upload this episode. It's incredible when you look at what he said in 1969 and what has happened since then. It's stunning in terms of the accuracy, but it wasn't guesswork. It wasn't prediction. It wasn't sitting down and thinking what's going to happen. It was knowledge of an agenda. It was literally someone tells you, right, this is what's going to happen, so therefore you know what's going to happen. There's no guesswork needed you just know what you don't know in that case i mean it's just simple as that some people say that 1984 gets its name from the 100th anniversary of the fabian society which is an elite secret society they say that huxley introduced orwell to the fabian society it's certainly true that huxley was orwell's french teacher at the elite eton college where the royals go so they knew each other at least on that level if you get into the inner core of these elite secret societies, you get access to the projected agenda because the elite obviously need to have organization and coordination of their agenda. And one of the ways they do this is through elite secret societies and the real, real higher levels of more publicly known secret societies like the Freemasons, the real higher levels. I talk about the structure of control and how the elite's agenda is coordinated in more detail in episode 21. It's a very simple structure, and it has to be. It wouldn't work if it was too complicated. There's an agenda for the world, a very sinister agenda, as I've laid out during the course of pay-per-view. And if you can access it, as I say, then predicting the future is easy. And the whole point of what I do and what others do around the world is to inform people so there can be an intervention so it doesn't happen. As I keep saying, society is agenda-driven, not (laughs) people-driven. final subject of part one this week is Brexit. This is in the Express. 
Fears Brexit will make EU stronger as Commission will grab control from smaller nations. The importance of the British role in the EU has been underestimated and Brexit will have heavy consequences on the bloc. Gabrielle Felbermayer, president of the Kyle Institute for World Economy, said. The new head of the Germany-based think tank said Brexit is economically worth as much as the exit of the 19 smallest countries. You have to understand Brexit as the sum of 19 small farewells from the European Union, which shall dramatically change the nature of the community. According to the Austrian economist, the EU will experience an important shift of power following the exit of Britain, planned for March 29th, regardless of whether London and Brussels strike a Brexit deal. He said the Commission will become significantly more powerful. The European future will be more centralised. The recent understanding between Angela Merkel and Emmanuel Macron in the field of industrial policy is a clear sign of who is going to lead the bloc in the future, according to The Economist. He continued, this type of thing did not happen before. The British then prevented projects that were devised in Brussels and also met with rejection elsewhere. The article goes on. Currently, there is an apparent unity among the EU27 over Brexit, Mr. Felbermayer continued, but their stubbornness over the concessions to give to the UK over the backstop could be damaging to the EU in the long run, he warned, saying a post-Brexit era could plunge Germany and the rest of the continent into difficulties. He said this approach does not help to find creative solutions. He said, this approach does not help to find creative solutions. This policy of its sink or swim may lead to a situation that is not only economically but also politically bad for us. The Economist estimates the long-term damage Brexit will have on the German economy to be between 0.5 to 0.7 percentage points of its GDP, gross domestic product. He said, this is a damage that will return every year. That's $20 billion missing. However, Mr. Felbermayer believes there will be further negotiations. He said, we have seen it often enough in Europe that there are negotiations until the last minute and in the end, something happens that averts the worst. The economist believes a hard Brexit should be prevented at all costs. He said, trade barriers between the continent and the island would lead to a chaotic situation. Nobody then knows which law applies. Well, the European Union is a fascist dictatorship seeking to rule and dictate to Europe. I talk about Brexit in episodes 2, 13, 48, 53, part 1, and other episodes. The European Union's goal is to absorb ever more countries, not for any to leave, especially not a country as globally significant as Britain. This is why we're seeing... Project Code name, bollocks. And the Brexit negotiations farce, not just to scare the public into accepting a weakened Brexit, but also to act as a warning to other countries in Europe, lest they get any ideas, as some are now. People say Merkel is the most powerful woman in Europe. She's probably not even the most powerful woman in Germany. Anyone in the role of President, Prime Minister, Chancellor, etc. is never the most powerful person in the country. This is a fact that people are going to have to understand eventually, if the elite's agenda is going to be stopped. The idea that Macron and Merkel will be running Europe in future is ludicrous when they don't even run their own countries. Nobody does in their position. Yes, they have a certain amount of power. Yes, they make a certain amount of the decisions, but the overall direction of their country and the world, in fact, is dictated by people far above anybody in the position of political leader. The idea that Macron and Merkel have spontaneously come up with policy ideas and ideas like a European army is equally ludicrous. A European army has always been the plan. They're just articulating it. People say Macron and Merkel want a European army. No, they don't. 
the elite who control them and the EU bureaucrats want in European army. They're just front people to articulate that agenda. The future of Europe will not be more centralised if Britain leaves. It will be far less in truth. The future of Europe has always been planned to be more centralised. The agenda is for Europe to be completely centralised and European bureaucratic fascist dictatorship dictated to by a planned world government. As I've said before, the unions will be the means through which the world government will dictate to countries' plans to be broken up into regions. We already have a de facto version of a world government and it's called the International Community and G8 or G20 or G whatever the number they come up with next. The international community gives the impression that everyone's involved, every country, every political leader is involved. When it's the political leaders of Britain, America, Germany, France, etc. who are involved, they're the ones who make the decisions. And in truth, those who control those political leaders. People in positions of real and supposed power have decided, in other words, read from the agenda playbook. Project Fear seeks to scare people with economic projections and predictions, which are either pure fear-mongering, or, if there is at least some truth in them, there's a very simple choice. Remain in a bureaucratic fascist dictatorship, a vehicle for the elite's agenda with unelected bureaucrats dictating the whole of Europe, or leave and regain total sovereignty, control of our borders, law-making and trade decision-making for the sake of economic problems, some of which will be manipulated into place to try to make people think twice, and some of which are mere fear-mongering. Hard choice, isn't it? Britain could be out of the European Union already. We don't need a deal. All this business about getting a deal is just a delaying tactic, as is the Irish backstop, which was just invented for the same reason. If it wasn't the backstop, it would have been something else. Diversion and delay is the order of the day for Brexit. All the fear-mongering about a no-deal Brexit, the only Brexit worth a name, is Project Fear. And the idea of a political class and the doom and gloom economic forecasters is to get the people to fear what they don't want, a true Brexit. Brexit is a wonderful opportunity for the people of Britain to come together en masse and stand up for the people's will, finally being listened to and implemented, as opposed to words and waffle as is usually the case, and for Britain to show the rest of Europe, look, we can do it, so can you. Brexit is a wonderful opportunity also for people to take back their freedom, at least some of it, at last, it's about time, and throw a massive spanner in the works of the elite's agenda. Either way, it will be a massive statement about the people's will in this country for sovereignty and freedom. So that's it for part one. There's plenty more to come in part two. 